0: By God's wonderful grace, we open up the word of God. And I get the pleasure, the privilege of proclaiming it, preaching it, standing upon it. For his glory. For our mutual benefit. Now I've, as you'll notice, entitled this sermon very simply, avoid false teaching. It's an easy title. This text of scripture that we're going to look at in 2 Timothy. It probably isn't going to surprise any of you. You're going to be like, "Well, duh. Of course I'm supposed to avoid false teaching. I think what the, the issue is, oftentimes we just don't get the significance of what false teaching does. I don't think we look at false teaching the way God does. Maybe every once in a while we recognize just how significant, how important it is, how damaging, how destructive it is. But for the most part, no, it's not something that we consider too much. We think, oh, okay, we're, we're good where we're at. The problem is because of the, where we live right now, Unlike any other time in history, you have at your fingertips, in your your phone, access to more sermons than any of us could listen to in our entire lives, more books you can read, and with that comes an opportunity for you to be pulled, for you to sit under teaching that perhaps is a lot more destructive than you recognize. Turn with me as we start this morning to Numbers. We're going to go to a passage of Scripture that the Apostle Paul actually ends with in verse 19 of 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to look at this man, Korah, and we're going to see him as well as his 250 followers in complete contrast to Moses and Aaron. And really, we're going to see this same comparison and contrast being made by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul saying, hey, Timothy, and you and all these men that you are going to appoint to be the future leaders of the church in Ephesus. You guys need to be like this. You guys need to be rooted in Scripture. You need to make sure that false teaching does not infiltrate the church again. And here we're going to see that Korah and some 250, notice they're leaders in the congregation. I believe that we tend to think that false teaching comes blatantly and openly that you just know exactly who it is and it's just a little Geiger counter goes off and, and, and they, when they present, they just present blatant heresy. That's not always the case. Sometimes they are indeed wolves dressed in sheep's clothing. Sometimes they are men who have been blessed by God, placed into positions of leadership, as Korah was, serving in the tabernacle. You see, it was his job, it was his duty to basically get everything ready for the tabernacle. But what we'll see is that wasn't enough for Korah. He wanted more. He wanted to be like Moses. He wanted to be like Aaron. He wanted to be a priest. Let's see where that leads him. Look at verse 2, Numbers chapter 16. They rose up, speaking of Korah and all of these followers with him number 16 verse 2 and they rose up before Moses together with some of the sons of Israel 250 leaders of the congregation chosen in the assembly men of renown these men were respected these men were seen as leaders in the assembly in the nation of Israel they had been given a gift by God in the leadership that they each were a part of and they assembled together against Moses and Aaron and said to them You have gone far enough for all the congregation are holy every one of them and the Lord is in their midst so why do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord hey we're done with you you don't need to be the leaders anymore anybody can be a leader aka so make me leader when Moses heard this look at Moses's humility he fell on his face and he spoke to Korah and all his company, saying, Tomorrow morning, the Lord will show who is his. That's what we're going to see in 2 Timothy. The Lord will reveal who his servants are and who is holy. Why? Because deceitfulness, deception, wickedness, treachery, sinfulness, ungodliness, unholiness are the marks of those that are false teachers and who is holy and will bring him near to himself even the one whom he will choose he will bring near to himself so Moses lays everything out hey tomorrow we are going to see who the Lord has chosen has he chosen you and all of all of your constituents all these 250 or has he indeed chosen me and Aaron And is this about us or is this about Him? That is another focus of false teachers, is it's all about them. You can even see it here. Now turn with me to verse 28. We'll read all the way to 35 to see exactly what it is that transpires and who God says, now this is mine. He is mine. And those over here, you are most definitely not mine. And Moses said, by this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these deeds, for this is not my doing. Moses recognized that everything that he does is by the strength and the power of the Lord God Almighty, Yahweh. False teachers think it's all about them. If these men die the death of all men, or if they suffer the fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. If they die a normal death, then okay, you're right. God sent them. But if the Lord brings about an entirely new thing and the ground opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that is theirs and they descend alive into Sheol, then you will understand that these men have spurned the Lord. And as he finished speaking all these words, the ground that was under them split open and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up and their households and all the men who belonged to Korah with their possessions and so they all, so they and all that belonged to them went down alive to Sheol. Notice they went alive down. Is there anything scarier than looking at something like this? And why is God allowing this to happen? Because, because he wants everyone to know that he is in charge, not man. And that he takes leadership in his church and in his body Seriously. So they and all that belonged to them went down alive to Sheol and the earth closed over them and they perished from the midst of the assembly and look at what the response is by all of Israel that was there and all, all Israel who were there, who were around them fled at their outcry for they said the earth may swallow us up. Fire also came forth from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering the incense what is this all about? What is the big deal? Why would God go to such lengths to make this message, to make this known? It's about authority. Who truly is in charge and who has appointed who to be leader and who is trusting in whom in the way that they are leading. You see, Korah and all those that followed him They didn't understand, or at least they didn't recognize, that Moses and Aaron were the ones that God had chosen to be the authority over them. In a sense, they were the Word of God to them. And instead, what did they do? They rejected the Word of God through His instruments. And as they did that, who were they really rejecting? They were rejecting God. That is not a good place to be. And do you think these 250 people that followed them thought that they were doing the wrong thing? No. And as we turn to 2 Timothy, and please turn there with me, 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we'll turn to 2 Peter this morning as well. And as we turn to 2 Timothy, you know what we're going to see? That in Christ's church, the same thing is happening there are those standing up and they are saying, hey, we are the authority, not this. So so don't listen to this so much as listen to me. No, no, keep your eyes on me. Not, Not on this. Listen to me. And follow me in my teaching. And then you will find what true godliness is and what it looks like. And in this, it is clear from what Paul is commanding Timothy. Hey, don't forget about the gospel, and don't forget about those that are the false teachers. Those that are battling against the truth, Timothy. Stand against them, oppose them, in all that you do. So look at what he says. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14-19. to 19. And for those of you who weren't with us last week, let me remind you that where Paul has just, come from is all about the gospel that even though Paul is in chains the gospel can never ever be chained that the gospel is the power of God that Jesus Christ is the person of the gospel and that the gospel gives us a promise that goes long past this life and then he goes to here he goes to the church Why? Because this is the place where the gospel is supposed to be protected. This is the place where the authority of Scripture is to be held up in high regard. Remind them of these things. Who is the them he's speaking about? No doubt pointing back to chapter 2, verse 2 in 2 Timothy. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also remember Paul wants Timothy to come to him in Rome that means Timothy's gonna have to leave the church in Ephesus and before he does that Paul wants to ensure that he has entrusted the ministry of looking after the church and the leadership in the church to faithful men those faithful men Timothy is to remind hey this is what you need to be all about charge them in the presence of God not to do what not to wrangle about words which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth, but avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place. And they upset the faith of some. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we recognize all too well how much we need you. That if way back then in the time of Moses, that that Korah and all these men could, could walk away from You, could flip things upside down and think that they were the authority instead of You, that we likewise can. Lord, we want to be diligent students of Your Word. We want to stand before You one day in Your presence, and not be ashamed and teach us this morning from your word through the power of the Holy Spirit and only through him how we are to live this life for you and your glory and how we are to, are to avoid false teaching and the serious consequences implications and results of what happens when we sit under teaching that we should not be sitting under And protect your church, Lord Jesus. That you may be honored, that you may be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I was pouring over this all week, the Lord kept bringing these two illustrations to bear in my mind as to what the Apostle Paul is doing. Like you're going back to this whole idea of false teaching. This must be significant. Why? Because he he just talked about the Gospel, and now he's talking about the church and what happens to the church. And it's as if, as he's looking at the final breaths of his life, he's, he's handing two things to Timothy and saying, hey, take these from me. First, I want you to take the sword. That is the Gospel. And I don't want you to ever forget that, the Gospel. I want the Gospel to be with you everywhere you go. And I want you to consider it. I want you to think about it. I want you to pray about it. I want you to share it with everyone that you come in contact with. And I don't ever want you to let go of that sword, the Gospel. And the Word of God. And I want you to dedicate yourself to being that kind of soldier. On the other hand, Timothy, I'm giving you this shield. And I want you to recognize that you must protect Christ's church. Through the grace and the power that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ and only through him. You can't do this in and of yourself. What I want you to do is I I want you to use this shield to protect from these false teachers that are coming in. As they continue to come in. And so in this he gives us six reasons to avoid false teaching six reasons to avoid false teaching and if you want to jot these down now so that you can add other notes please feel free the first is this it leads to ruin it leads to the ruin of those who hear it and it leads to the ruin of those who are proclaiming it the false teachers themselves ruin ruin it will result in shame that is where it goes it will result in shame that is the second that's verse 15 verse 16 It produces ungodliness. It says it's going to produce something else. They say it's going to produce something else. But no, instead what it does is it produces ungodliness. Verse 16 and then in verse 17, it spreads spiritual unhealthiness. It goes from one person to the next, spreading the spiritual unhealthiness. That's verse 17. Verse 18, it undermines the faith of some. It undermines the faith of some. And finally, it is the revealer of those who are not the Lord's. which is the scariest reason not to listen to false teachers. It reveals that they are not the lords, just as Korah was not the lords, and Hymenaeus and Philetus are not the lords. So what do we see first? We we see this, stay away from false teaching, why? Because it leads to ruin. This is what Timothy is to remind These men that will be taking over for him. Remind them of these things, what he had just said about the gospel. And so, yes, on the one hand, man, take the sword of the gospel and you tell them to pass, and you pass off that sword of the gospel to them, Timothy. But also hand them this the the shield, and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. This word ruin, literally in the Greek, is catastrophe. This is where it goes. This will bring catastrophe upon you. This is why you do not allow yourself to sit under this kind of teaching. Literally, it's to be intellectually upset to the place of ruin. being intellectually upset to a terrible degree it's to be spiritually overturned and left in ruin when you think that you would be growing in godliness actually it goes the other way and you become sicker and sicker in your own sinfulness we see this in second peter this isn't just from paul's perspective This wasn't just in the first century. This is still alive and well today. Why? Because Satan is trying to destroy Christ's church. And as such, things are not getting better. Things are getting worse. And things will continue to get worse. And as Moses was upset with Korah for the things that he said and the way that he was leading so many believers, believers in Yahweh astray, so we should be upset with those that are, Preaching a false gospel with those that are not being diligent in God's word. Look at what 2 Peter chapter 2, verses, let's read 4 to 10 so you get the the whole context of what Peter is saying. He again is is going with this comparison. First, he starts off with the devils, the devil and his demons for if God did not spare angels when they sinned but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment you could also think of what about the angels that were the elect angels that did not rebel they are the ones still serving the Lord and then he goes on and did not spare the ancient world but preserved Noah so so there is the contrast Noah who was what a preacher of righteousness with seven others when he brought a flood into the world of the ungodly the world of the ungodly that's everyone else except for Noah and the seven you start to get the impression that there's actually more that don't follow the Lord than those that do the chosen And if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example of those who would live ungodly lives thereafter, again, what do you see happening again and again with these that are false teachers? They live ungodly lives. And if he rescued righteous Lot, there's the comparison. Oppressed by the sensual conduct of the principled men, of unprincipled men. So Lot was not happy living among them. It was rubbing on him. For by, for by what he saw and heard, that righteous man while living among them felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment and especially those who indulge in the flesh and its corrupt desires and despise authority again speaking to authority they do not look at God's Word or God himself as the authority in their lives and so we see as a result that sitting under the teaching of these kinds of men leads to ruin what kind of teaching are they doing they are wrangling about words that means to dispute about words that that means to split hairs over something but remember he was just talking about these things speaking of the gospel so what is it that they are wrangling about well they are not wrangling about the gospel they're not splitting hairs over gospel issues they're splitting hairs over all sorts of other things these are the pastors who week after week after week instead of coming and studying the Word of God and bringing the Word of God they are looking at everything that is happening on the headlines And that is what the majority of what they bring Sunday after Sunday. Am I saying that what is happening right now with the possibility of overturning Roe v. Wade is not significant? No, it is. But compared to God's Word, that is not where a pastor should go every Sunday and make his message all about politics. It should be about what? The Word of God. It needs to be a gospel issue. And what Timothy is being encouraged to do is, man, don't get pulled into that, Timothy. Don't be distracted. These guys are great at it. They're going to pull you in. It happens when we go witnessing, does it not? How many times do they want to get me off of Christ and on well, okay, what about abortion? How can God truly be kind and allow all that's happening? Yeah, well, what about Christ dying? And taking them back to the gospel that's what these guys were kings of doing they were skilled in in debate and so Paul is reminding Timothy hey do not get sidetracked into this deal with that when you need to deal with it and teach the truth Timothy but don't get sidetracked by all these other things and notice what he says He, he brings in this extra aspect that he's solemnly to charge them in the what in the presence of God he brings in the proximity of God he brings in the closeness of God he brings in God as a witness hey in all that you do Timothy you remember that you are doing it with God right there with you right here right now as you stand and you proclaim the Word of God God is there you now scary it is to to consider that as I started our time off with Korah To think that I could be held accountable for not presenting God's Word clearly and truthfully according to the intent of the author who is God. Do you recognize that God's Word has one interpretation? One meaning was understood in the author as he was presenting it. It is my job as the pastor to try to figure out what that meaning is. It is your job as the student of the Word to do likewise. Likewise. And, and we do this in the presence of God recognizing that he is near and in this he's really sharing this in a positive light letting Timothy know and this is a good thing that you're doing this that God is a witness of you that what you are teaching that the doctrine that you teach that it is sound Timothy that it has been passed on from me, from the apostles, from the Old Testament. So you can stand right now and teach this, knowing that God is your witness. Saying, yes, that is truth. As opposed to these other guys and these false teachers. And Paul says, remind them and charge them in the presence of God to do this. Don't get into this tit for tat and back and forth with them. No. You need to send them out. They shouldn't be having an influence anymore in the church, Timothy. But think about this do you really believe that the false teachers are concerned with whether or not God is there with them? No, their focus isn't on the Lord at all, their focus is on themselves. I think we could look at this as pastors today who function without any accountability. There's no sounding board. Whether we're talking about financially or we're talking about morally or spiritually or biblically, they are it. They are their own sounding board. They're their own board of directors. They're their own determiner of their salary. They're their own everything. Why? Because they don't care about what God thinks. They only care about what they think and what they can get. Beware of false false teachers and false teaching. Why? Because it will lead to ruin. Number two, it will result in shame. He gives us the positive aspect of, okay, don't do that, do this but in staying with this warning against false teaching he's saying if you don't act like i'm about to tell you in verse 15 then it will end in shame and so as a result timothy be diligent do your homework son don't prepare your sermon saturday and think that you're going to be able to do a, a reasonable job preaching on sunday well, i know far many pastors too many do that today but that shouldn't be what happens Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Accurately handling the word of truth. Notice, he again brings this idea of being present with God. Presenting yourself to God. Again, in the presence of God, but instead of this being a present reality, that everything that we do is happening with God in vantage point with us watching everything there is also a, a much more scary idea that at some point we are going to be ushered into the very presence of Christ as believers and the life that we lived here on this earth will be what it will be judged not to determine where you will spend all of eternity no 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 that's been done with on, on that right there the cross It is done and complete. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But man, this is scary. That one day we will be presented to God. We will come before Him. Before Jesus Christ and what will happen? He will weigh what we have done. As if by fire trying it. And so what is Paul doing? He's pleading with Timothy. Man, make every effort that you can do to be ready for that day, Timothy. Be diligent. Be zealous to know the Word in and out. Do your best in your study to understand this Word. There's no cutting corners in this, Timothy. And love people the way that Christ loved people. Why? so that one day you may be standing in the presence of our Savior and you will find His approval. That when He assesses your work, that He will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That that is Paul's heartbeat. This is what we see. Turn turn to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. This is what Paul was all about. But, but what is oh so challenging is this isn't just for Pastor Jason. We, we could argue that's what 2 Timothy is. He's speaking in particular to those who are going to be pastors. But notice when Paul talks about this in Colossians, I'm sorry you're included. You, you don't get a, a, a hall pass out of this one because you're not in pastoral ministry. The Lord's going to call all of us to him and we're going to render an account on how we lived this life and that's why he started with the power that is found only in the grace of God in Christ Jesus but look at Colossians 1 28 to 29 look at what he says we proclaim him speaking of Jesus admonishing every man that's that universal word that would include you ladies Admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. He didn't want anyone to escape his sphere of influence that he had not as much as he could pour into, to where that person could grow in godliness, Christ likeness, and maturity as much as they possibly could in this life. And for this pers- purpose, he says, Also, I labor. Striving according to his purpose, which mightily works within me. Do you get the idea that what Paul is talking about is an easy work? No. This is difficult. This takes energy, effort, and lots of it. And all with the idea that in the end, that he would not be ashamed Being at a place where there's absolutely no need to be ashamed. Why? Because of the way that you have been faithful. By his strength living in and through you. That's what he's talking about. That's how then we could be pleasing to the Lord. Notice the diligent pastor in this context gives maximum effort to in part God's truth is as completely as clearly as unambiguous as he possibly can and then by that you might not be shamed when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ but when we think about the false teachers the last thing they are thinking about is whether or not this is going to cause shame to either them or to Christ they're thinking only about filling their own bellies. In fact, they're the ones that you would think would be the most shameful. That they would feel the most significance of their own shame, but instead they are the ones that are shameless. I believe we've seen this kind of thing in, in, in pastorates as of late. As what has become cool now is to cuss from the, from the pulpit. That's not a big deal it's just who I am it's to to talk about sex oh no don't just talk about it let's put a bed on top of the church and me and my wife will hang out in the bed and talk to you about it what no 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 that is messed up that that is someone who is not functioning the way that they should be functioning as God's Word says a pastor should be functioning Instead, this man should be accurately handling the word of truth. Do you know what that means? Accurately handling. That's a compound word. It's made up of two different words in the Greek. On on the one, it's cut, and on the other is straight. I happen to know a lot about not cutting wood straight. Lived in a village where you could see when guys wouldn't plant their post straight. Why? Because their whole house would be like, and within a year, their house would be like, they'd come and do work on my house and do a porch. Hey, if somebody comes to your house and wants to add an addition onto your house and they show up with no squares, no levels, no plum blobs, nothing like that, what are you going to say? You're going to say, hey, how are you going to keep everything straight? How are you going to know that, that that is plum right there? Because it looks off to me and they're going to be like, oh, no, I've been doing this so long that I, I have a really good eye. And you know, it really doesn't matter because I've never had a house fall down on me or a deck that I, that I built for someone. What are you going to say? You can get back in your truck. I'm going to go with a, a different person. Thank you for making your bid so reasonable, but now I understand why. Because you are not doing due diligence with your particular job and your responsibility. That's exactly what this means. Cut straight to guide the word of truth along a straight path, getting you to the point that it is taking you to. It was used as a craftsman cutting a straight line, a farmer plowing a straight furrow, a mason setting a straight line of bricks, a workman building a straight road. Straight, straight, straight. That's what is being communicated. Moving in a straight line. Getting it straight so that you could then give it straight. That is what a pastor is supposed to do. And and, and why is this important? Why does Paul mention this? Because listen, right teaching equals right living. Do you know where heresy leads? It leads further and further away from the Lord. Over a matter of time, what you think you will become and you will do that. So what we must do is we must fill our minds with God's word. Right teaching equals right living. We, we saw this in First Timothy chapter 4. Do you remember what Paul says? He says, oh, don't just remember your doctrine. Oh, pay close, close attention just to your doctrine, Timothy, and leave it there. I want all of that to just stay in your head 24-7 until your head explodes because you are such a theological giant. Everybody will come from far and wide to listen to you because that's all it's about. No, he says, not only watch your doctrine, watch your life. Why? Because one leads into the other. One flows from the other. Right doctrine leads to right living. This is why we need to be careful on the sermons that we're listening to. And those that just like to tell stories And after they open God's Word and tell you the the passage of Scripture they're going to teach on, they never go back to God's Word throughout the rest of the day. Not even quoting it as memories. I mean, some guys, they really know the Word well enough that they can stay on the Word of God without taking you everywhere. But there are many, do you know what they do? Their life is built on the little spaces in between the the words in our Bible. And, And that's where they live and they don't spend much time digging into the word because they don't have to because they've learned how to craft their sermons and make it so that everybody loves to hear it but it's devoid of deep truth why because it's not based upon the authority of scripture it's based upon the authority of their particular thoughts and so then they'll take us at christmas time and they'll take us to and a gospel account of Jesus being born and they'll talk about how the angels come and they're and they're singing glory glory and the, And then they say, oh, and remember the sheep. Let's think about the sheep. And they close the Bible, and then for the next 40 minutes, they talk about how a sheep would have been thinking and how you and I need to be like sheep. That's not what that passage of Scripture is talking about. Not only is that just a poor hermeneutic, but that's just ludicrous, but we listen to it. Why? Oh, because they're fanciful in the way that they tell stories they turn that into their life that's not the calling of a preacher the calling of a preacher is to dig deep into God's Word and those golden nuggets and then bring them before the body and by God's grace through correct articulation and passion and the gifting of the Lord you you, you bring the word as clearly and as articulately as you can by His grace. It's like this article I read recently. Who said, he says this, Give this kind of pastor a chapter and order him to walk around it, to camp on it, to sup with it, and come at last to speak it backwards and forwards until all he says about it rings with the truth of eternity and he's burned out by the flaming word when he's consumed at last by the fiery grace blazing through him, and when he's privileged to translate the truth of God to man, finally transferred from earth to heaven, then bear him away gently and blow a muted trumpet and lay him down softly and place a two-edged sword in his coffin. Because that's what he was all about. So avoid false teaching. Why? Because it leads to ruin, because it results in shame and it produces ungodliness. Back to 2 Timothy 2, verse 16. This is where it goes. This is what it produces. They say that it's going to produce something else, but no, this is what it produces. It doesn't lead to becoming more and more like Christ. It leads to becoming less and less like Christ. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. Why is this? Because they're, they're not centered upon God's Word they're not having those that that are listening to them eat from God's Word they're not drinking from God's Word and as a result their diet is a wrong kind of diet it's an unhealthy diet and what they're eating is all worldliness and it's empty chatter nothing of the depths of Scripture and so as a result what do they end up doing they become more and more unlike Christ it's like what Pastor Shane quoted for us in our worship time John 15 5 what kind of produce what kind of fruit can you produce if you're not abiding in the vine you can't produce any kind of righteous fruit So this shouldn't surprise us. This is what comes naturally out of anyone who is not digging into God's Word and handling it accurately and sitting under teaching like that. But this is what happens to them personally as those that are proclaiming the Word of God. And the result does come to us as well, but then look at what happens next. It spreads out. And that ungodliness starts to spread out throughout the whole congregation. And you see this happening in churches. To our things that used to be a conviction now are set aside and basically anything you want to do goes. And holiness is set aside. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus. False teaching spreads spiritual unhealthiness like gangrene. We had something in our, in our village called Yaws. And it it was terrible it was much like leprosy and it would just eat away at parts digits on your on your finger and if you weren't careful about that house cleaning everything really well that would pass on to other kids the idea here is this word spread is, is is literally pasturing. it's the idea of having cows go out on a on a great big field And the cows start together, and then they just spread out and just gobble up every piece of grass on that field. That is what this kind of teaching does. It's like a cancerous growth in the church that spreads this unspiritual healthiness throughout the whole body. This is what Christ is wanting to be protected in His church. But what kind of teaching is this? and we see that it goes on it actually speaks about the faith of those that sit under this teaching as well as we see fifth it undermines the faith of some it undermines the faith of some verse 18 this is what Hymenius and philetus and you remember hymenaeus was one that was subjected to church discipline in first timothy because he was a false teacher and so they cast him out, but he must have somehow got back into the church and was still having an influence. And so Paul calls him out, in particularly what he has been teaching. And what he's been teaching is this men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and they upset the faith of some. Not everyone. There are others who listen to them and say, No, that can't be true. What were they pre- preaching and proclaiming? Hey, Pastor Jason, I thought the resurrection is fine to teach. Well, not this kind of resurrection they're not talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ these guys would say oh well yes I suppose Jesus rose from the dead but for us right now do you remember what Paul said that we've been identified with Christ and his death and his burial and his resurrection no when, when we see about resurrection in Scripture about what's going to happen to us in the future no that is only talking about a figurative resurrection A spiritual resurrection. We must be careful in coming to God's Word, listening to those that would take a passage of Scripture that is clearly meant to be literally understood. No, this is a literal, physical resurrection. Be careful of those that that read into all sorts of allegorical and figurative meanings when Scripture isn't talking about that particular thing in any kind of allegorical language how do you know when scripture is talking about something allegorically or something figuratively you're going to see the word like such as look at verse 17 did the teaching that these men were doing did it literally give gangrene to everybody in the in the church and so they all died of gangrene no it says their talk spread like gangrene It doesn't mean it was literally gangrene. They weren't doing something in order to give everybody this physical sickness. So there you don't take that as something literally. It's a picture of something else. The significance of it spreading, that's what he's trying to get at. Well, these guys were using that in the wrong way about the resurrection. And they were saying, oh, no, no, don't you guys know we've already arrived? You see, the resurrection is spiritual. And that's why I'm the way that I am and that's why this person's the way they are and the rest of you sorry if you're not you're probably not saved and in that it was undermining their faith but recognize what this does for the hope of us as believers if there is no physical resurrection then Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 12 to 14 that we among all people are most to be pitied why because we've lied to everyone about the hope that Jesus Christ rose from the dead as the first man to rise and that we will all likewise follow you, you take the resurrection away from us and we have nothing the hope of our faith is in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and so as such notice that that some of their talk was based on truth don't always think that a her- that a heretic and a false teacher is just gonna sound like completely nonsense no, I don't believe these guys sound like this was nonsense. What, what did Satan do when he came to Eve? Did God really say? He questioned God's word. He questioned the authority of God's word. These, these guys, they'll still proclaim the word, so to speak, but it'll be a little bit of truth and a whole bunch of error. Thereby dismantling God's word for the authority that it is. It's like adding works onto the gospel, right? It has nothing to do with us. It's all what he did for us in our place. What does this do? This upsets the faith of some. Do you know where this word "upset" is also used? It's it's used. Write this down. In John chapter two, verses fifteen to seventeen, is Jesus goes into the temple, and what does he do? He turns upside down the tables. He flips them all over. That's what this word "upset" is. These. Men, these false teachers, were turning the spiritual lives of many of the believers in Ephesus upside down. Stay away from false teaching. Finally, why? Because it leads to ruin, it results in shame, it produces ungodliness, it spreads spiritual unhealthiness, it undermines the faith of some, and finally, it is a revealer of those who are not the Lord's. You could look at this as positive or negative. This reveals that these ones do not know the Lord. This is what we see in verse 19. As Paul wraps everything up, he wants to leave some hope and some understanding with Timothy that he doesn't get too discouraged. Because it would seem that, man, with all of this going on, is Christ really going to finish his church? Is he really going to complete it? Are we really going to be with him in, in glory Or are more people going to be deceived and, and taken out? Well, not if God's chosen them. He knows who are His. And that's exactly what He says. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands. That is speaking of the church. And notice what kind of foundation it is. It's a firm foundation. It is hard. It is solid. It is established. And listen, it's established not because of me, not because of you, but because of Him. And that is why it can be so solid and firm and not be shaken and disrupted, disrupted, destroyed, or anything else, because it is His church. And it is His firm foundation. Having this seal, that speaks of the ownership that Christ has on His church. That the church is basically Christ's name on it. As He created it, He is the owner of it. And then we see this oh so encouraging statement. The Lord knows those who are His. How encouraging to know that the Lord knows those who are His. That we can entrust all to Him and walk in faithfulness before Him. It's just as Jesus says in John 10. 14 to 16 I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father what is he saying he's saying hey Timothy don't for a minute ever think that God is still not in everything that is going on he knows whose are his Timothy you just be faithful and leave everything else up to the Lord our God because it is his church and Jesus Christ will Get us home so you just keep being faithful. And that is his challenge to all of us this morning as he wraps everything up and he says, for everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. That is what we have seen is the opposite of those that are the the false teachers. Instead of abstaining from wickedness, they just get deeper and deeper into wickedness. That That is not God's intention for his church. That's not his intention for us. That is why he's blessed us with his grace. Why he's blessed us with one another that we could spur each other on to continue to honor him. Let me close our time as Pastor Shane and the worship team come up. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the warnings in scripture. For how good it is for us to understand the significance of sitting under teaching that takes us away from your word that causes us to deviate from Your Word, that is not straight, that is crooked, that is not in alignment with Your Word, that does not produce godliness in us, that does not produce spiritual maturity, but instead ruins us, Lord. That instead undermines our faith, turns our faith even upside down, turns it over. We pray, Lord, that You would allow us to be diligent in our study of your word to spend time with you digging into these truths Lord we, we recognize that these truths are not always easily understood but they are truths such as that you have chosen us that are rampant throughout Scripture we see them again and again so help us to rightly divide your word and to walk with you all the days of our lives and, and to do it in such a faithful way That when we are ushered into your presence that we will hear well done my good and faithful servant and the works that we will have tried as with fire that they will not all burn up as wood hay and stubble but that many many of the works that we do in service of you to uphold your name to lift you high to exalt you to honor you that those works would be changed into gold silver and precious stones that we could Offer and lay down at your feet for your eternal glory. It's in Christ's name that we pray, amen.